welcome to the Modern Mamas podcast. We're two modern mamas with a goal to inspire empowerment, self-love, deep physical and spiritual nourishment, holistic health, and joy, no matter your journey, gender, or perspective. I'm Laura of Radical Roots. I'm a certified CrossFit trainer, certified nutrition consultant, and mama to Evie Wilder. And I'm Jess of Hold Space Wellness. I am a level one CrossFit trainer, a licensed and certified athletic trainer with a master's in kinesiology, and mama to Bear and It's Jess here. Welcome to another episode of the Modern Mamas podcast. We have a super special guest on today, and I don't know if you all you all have noticed, but Laura and I have been taking our guests on a more individual basis. We've just found that it's been much easier to, uh, I guess, facilitate the conversation when yeah. three people are not all jumping in. And it's all good conversation, but it's just the flow goes a little bit better with the two of us. And we took that from you guys. Yeah, we definitely learned that not too far into our podcast that not only was the connectivity easier, Mm -hmm. just any digital connectivity, but for sure the conversation. It's it's hard, though, because then I don't get to be in on all the conversations. I know. It's okay. It makes a better interview, I think. Absolutely. Um, Laura was sad she was going to miss this one. And then I was sad last week she did. We had Leanne Vogel on. I was totally wanted to pick her brain, but I'm like, okay. I'll listen to the podcast after the fact. Yeah. And it'll yeah. be great. So um, we just have so many awesome people on. It's hard to, to miss, them, miss them. So the voice behind <laughs> the podcast that you just heard um, is Miss Diane Sanfilippo. And she is with us today. She's going to be tackling a lot of really amazing listener questions on sugar and carbs and pregnancy and nursing. And it's going to be great. Thanks so much for being here, Diane. I'm so excited. Oh, my pleasure. This is kind of like a dream come true. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I mean, I think I got started with paleo because of you. Um, back in the day, six years ago, it was like found kind of your blog and then your book and all the programs that you've been doing. And you just put so much amazing content out for like the paleo sphere. Um, and of course the podcast now is just one of my favorites. It's definitely a one that I listen to weekly. So thank you so much for, for oh, creating. You. Yeah. Um, so if you don't know, if you've been living under a rock, I'm going to give you guys a brief intro about who Diane is and what she's been doing with her life the last couple of years. So Diane Sanfilippo is the owner and founder of Balanced Bites. She's a certified nutrition consultant a two-time New York Times bestselling author of Practical Paleo, The 21-Day Sugar Detox, and co-author of Mediterranean Paleo Cooking. Diane holds a BS from Syracuse University and is certified in holistic nutrition from Bowman College, holistic lifestyle coaching from the Czech, Czech Institute, and Polykin Biosignature Modulation. Ooh, I want to hear more about that. She writes for her popular health blog, balancebites.com, and is co-host of the top-rated weekly health podcast, The Balance Bites Podcast, available free from iTunes. In September 2016, Diane released an updated and expanded second edition of her runaway hit, Practical Paleo. It's amazing. It's like the Paleo Bible. I'm just interjecting my own little thoughts in here. Um, But the Practical Paleo Updated Edition has sold over half a million copies and spent a total of 97 weeks on the New York Times bestsellers list. On January 2nd, 2018, Diane also released the 21 Day Sugar Detox Daily Guide, a day-by-day handbook for her popular program, the 21 Day Sugar Detox, hashtag 21DSD. 
search that hashtag. It's amazing. Diane lives in San Francisco with her husband, Scott, and her two fur kiddos. Um, so, wow, that's quite quite a list of achievements already in your short life. Are you just, like, living <laughs> <Sure>. the dream? <laughs> I'll be 40 soon, so it's hey, been a long one to me. you still got, like, a whole other lifetime to live, so that's pretty crazy when you think about it that way. Um, go ahead. No, we'll see. <laughs> well, based on the way you take care of yourself, I, I highly anticipate that you're going to live at least till 80, but we'll <laughs> see. Um, so that's quite the list of achievements. And so are you just like, hey, I'm done. I'm done with life. I've, I've done everything that I can do. Or are there so many things on the horizon for you still? Perhaps if I didn't live in San Francisco, I could be done. But the cost <laughs> of living here dictates that I can't be done. Um, no, my personal just inner drive and motivation and creative mind you know I think at this point my team knows and appreciates and expects what will come for me but anytime there's any breathing room I will hatch a new idea or you know we're relaunching one of our programs or there's a new program idea in the works or other types of things or you know I have a spice line and I'm it's just my passion to turn hobbies into a business because I think not only is it fun to create things, I've always been that person who loved like arts and crafts projects and I've always loved cooking. Um, but I've also always loved figuring out how to make things that I truly enjoy into things that also help me earn a living and just live my life because going to an office every day when I did like the work that I was doing, you know, it was fine when I was doing graphic design work for a small agency in New Jersey for several years. I didn't dread going there. I really liked the work and we were helping a lot of small businesses. Um, but I think it really doesn't ever end because when you're a creative entrepreneur, it's just a matter of like where your passion lies and where you want to help people. And so for the last, oh, eight years to a decade, it's been in nutrition, um, but truly who I am is not a nutritionist first. It's really, uh, ultimately it's a problem solver and an entrepreneur. And so I love to find ways to help people solve problems. Um, and whether that's, you know, through safer skincare and those types of things, which that stuff is super fun. I really yes. love when someone says, you know, my skin looks amazing and I'm so glad you told me about this. I'm like, great, that solved a problem for you, but also health and nutrition and through the 21 day sugar detox and expanding that program recently, with the new daily guide, it's been extremely rewarding and fun to watch all kinds of new people come into that realm and, you know, get their type two diabetes under control or go off of two medications in five days. And, you know, that stuff is just watching people change their own lives and feel like they're in control of what happens to them and take that initiative for themselves, whether it's with their health or with their business and their financial situation. All of that stuff gets me excited because, um, I think ultimately it's, Ultimately, it's at my core to help other people feel like they get a say in whatever's happening in their lives rather than being a victim. And so, you know, I think all of this spurs from that in any way that I can continue to help inspire people on that front and and serve, you know, my own creative ideas as well and just things that I have in my head that want to come out into the world. So there's there's much more to come. There's at least two major projects that nobody's seen at all yet that are brewing in my brain and more relaunches of things that we're already, you know, doing and people have seen. So I saw that it doesn't on, end. Yeah. It doesn't end. I, I saw that on your Instagram. It was either today or sometime when I was on the, on the interwebs, but it was like, 
working on two things. And I'm like, oh, goodness, I can't wait to see what Diane's coming up with. <laughs> um, but it's, it is amazing. And I feel like um, being in this world myself personally on a much smaller scale, but allowing, I feel like as you change and your interests change and expands as a person, um, you're... Yeah, like your your the problems that you see and the solutions that you create also change, um, and so it's just ever evolving depending on where you are in life. I mean, I'm sure ten years from now I'll be dealing with different things, especially in relation yeah. to like being a mom. I'll have to be parenting teenagers, so what I'm sharing will be completely different than when I was yep. um, parenting kid like the little ones. So yeah, um, totally, totally appreciate appreciate that perspective, and I just love um, on Instagram. I love, and we're about that here on the podcast too, but I love that you really challenge people to do the work themselves. And, um, not everybody loves that. That's my response, but I think it's mostly because they're not expecting it. Yeah. Um, but I'm challenging the status quo and, and the fact that just because other people behave a certain way doesn't mean I will, Mm -hmm. or, or even that that's the right way versus my way not being right. Yeah. Who said they were right? Uh, you know, yes. I don't know <laughs> who's they anyway, but who said that because someone else answers a question that that's the right way to do things. That doesn't mean I'm unkind. If, yeah. if anything, I spend more of my time helping people than I think I, that is, than is healthy in a day. And I think there's a bit of like a, there is a nurturing side to me. It just doesn't look like people want or expect it to look. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it is what it is, but that's who I am. So take me or leave me. I love it. And honestly, I will say total transparency. I think long ago when you started really like calling people out on it, I was like, Hmm, like that makes me feel a little like uncomfortable. uncomfortable. And then like, as I sat with it longer and longer, I realized like it's nothing. It, it was a great thing for me, honestly. And it's now changed the way I approach people who are asking me for advice or just the way I approach life in general. It's like, okay, if I see something that you post and I want to know more about it, I'm less apt to jump in and ask you more questions about it and more apt to go back and be like, I bet she's posted something about this already or. Well, there's two things too. One is I think people really just want to connect and that's fair. And I appreciate that hundred percent. I would never say that, you know, I take it for granted that somebody is reaching out to make a connection. Um, I love and appreciate that. And I think that there are ways to do that that are not showing, um, that you're not capable. Mm-hmm. Like to me, that would be almost embarrassing. If I asked someone a question that I really could have answered myself, that would embarrass me. Like if they put it back to me and not in a way that I think is their fault, but in more of a like, Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah. And I'll tell you that out of 10 people who might contact me upset, eight of them come back and say exactly what you just said. Mm-hmm. As I sat and thought about it, I realized yeah, I am capable of this. And, um, truth be told, pushing someone to feel that discomfort is actually exactly what I'm trying to do because you won't change if you're not uncomfortable and, you know, I want people to change. Um, but ultimately as well, to your point, I've created more resources than anyone can ever consume, including myself. I don't even remember all the places I've answered some of these questions over the last almost decade, um, with a podcast that's almost seven years old with six publications, you know, and, infinite amount of content exists that has come from me and anybody who is interested and willing to do the work can find answers to most of their questions, Mm -hmm. um, within that body of work. And so I do, 
I do answer a lot of questions and I point people to resources. And I think that ultimately not relying on me through their thumbs is the way to empowerment. You can't expect someone to do things for you all the time and become a capable, confident person. And people ask me a lot, you know, how I am the way I am. And I think it's because I always tried to figure things out for myself, you know, before asking for help. And I think that would, it would serve a lot of people to do the same. That being said, the questions that we have here, we've said, what questions do you yeah. have for me? Here's Open the place invitation. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. There's, and we have this every single week on my podcast mm-hmm. as well. And our podcast listeners, I think, would say they never feel that way for me because yeah. they've been asking and hearing answers to questions for seven years. So yeah. I think that, you know, there's a time and a place for it. And here we are. This is a time and the place. Exactly. And now we're creating content that people can come back to for years and years and years when they have similar questions. So I think it's, I mean, everything you said a, a, a heck yes. And on that note, let's kind of dive in because I know we do have a lot of questions. Um, so again, just going to re- reiterate the topic today is going to be sugar and carbs and pregnancy and nursing. And this is, is crazy because sugar, I mean, the more, more recently now, I think sugar, the truth about sugar and what it can do to us, not just our bodies, but mentally, um, emotionally, and all of that stuff is really coming more and more to light. People are much more aware of sugar as a, po- a potential health hazard. Well, I mean, it, it is um, in excess. Um, and then also, you know, keto, the term, the, the buzzword keto is also much, much more common. I, I don't know if you probably don't know, but Laura and I are both experimenting with like more of a low carb, high fat style of eating. I hesitate to say keto because I'm not measuring anything or mm. um, anything like that, but um, more so along like the 21 day sugar detox stuff, because I have your daily guide and I've, I've looked through that a lot to kind of give me guidance on it, but I was battling a sugar demon serious. So postpartum, mm-hmm. it was kind of just one of those things where, and we have a lot of questions about this. It was just like, I'm hungry. I'm hungry. I don't know what to eat. I'm just going to grab convenience food or sugar because it fills me up immediately. Um, and so it kind of got just into that, a routine. So, right. Anyways, we've been experimenting it with it in our own lives, and we have a lot of questions about it today. Um, before we dive into the meat, I have a fun icebreaker question. Sure. But I want to know, because I know you do watch television, which I don't know how you squeeze it into your day, but what is your... Through my iPad <laughs> and the fact that there's an app, because my husband will tell you I refuse to learn how to use the 10 remotes that operate <laughs> the television. And he's like, it's just this one. I'm like, I don't want to know because that's just more access. But now I know how to use the iPad app. And I'm like, okay, I can handle this. carry it with me and put it down while I'm working. It like keeps me company. Yeah. That's amazing. I only half pay attention to it. Okay. Well, so, and then I'm, I'm have a guess at what you watch then, but what's your favorite guilty pleasure TV show? Like one that you're like, I love this. I could binge it if I, if I had the time. Oh, I mean, Real Housewives. Of like any of them? Pretty much. Um, Northeast or California. So I'm good for New York, New Jersey, Beverly Hills and Orange County. Those are my, those are all my jam. I used to watch Atlanta back in the day, but I haven't followed that in many years. Uh, But pretty much I, I like, I like Bravo shows because it's just so mindless, but Mm -hmm. I don't know. I just think it's interesting. Honestly, you know what I've learned watching that over the last too many years to count? Um, it's a real lesson in accountability and it's a lesson in integrity and watching these women 
um, say things behind each other's backs and then own up to it or not. And there's a handful of people who I'm just I'm fascinated by the personalities and like what type of person and personality like never truly sees who they are and what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so like Ramona on Housewives of New York, I'm like, she legit cannot connect. Like there's a disconnect for this woman and no disrespect to her whatsoever. Like hopefully she'll find that, but you know, taking ownership, but then she'll always lash out with these insults. So I find it fascinating, but also just super entertaining. I love me some Dorinda. I made it nice. (laughs) Like I just can't, I can't handle how hilarious that can be. Um, but anyway, I really enjoy that. But I also enjoy watching scripted shows, too, you know, when when some come back. And I I can't even think of them off the top of my head. But um, I'll rewatch The Office and Mm -hmm. Parks and Rec. And those are like my, you know, painful sense of humor, though. Uh, The Office is like so painful to watch sometimes. It's it's the best. Best slash worst. It's but it's the best. I love it so much. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that's good. That's amazing. Now on a more serious note, who is the person that most inspires you? I mean, I say it a million times. It's so cliche at this point, but I mean, Oprah Winfrey, I mean, I think because ultimately throughout her career of, you know, 25 years as a talk show host and, um, the amount of fame and fortune that she has, I think she still comes from a very, Uh, relatable place whenever she speaks to someone and has a conversation and is open to learning and for better or for worse has talked about her own struggles primarily with her weight for a long time. And there's something about that, that on the one hand, I want to say like, girl, we don't care what you look like, which to me, that also helps me feel that example. (laughs) Like I know that my people don't care whether I show up, you know, 10 pounds heavier or not one day that like they're there for whatever it is I'm going to impart impart on them. Um, But I do think that like, I kind of wish it had never been a conversation from her because I'm like, it's distracting to the message. And at the same time, it makes her so human and, and helps us all to see that you can be literally the most powerful woman in the world and still, you know, not have it all figured out. And that's okay because we're still all here inspired and learning and that actually is all part of the human experience. Um, but I, I love when she has a new conversation with someone and I hear a new piece of wisdom that makes me feel like, wow, that was insightful. Mm-hmm. You know, to me, those insightful moments feel very valuable. Yeah. Oh, she's the best. I love her. Oprah 2020. Oprah for 2020. <laughs> I don't think so. I, I went to one of her events and like splurged on a VIP ticket. So I did get a hug from her. And we have a picture with her. And it was a I mean, memorable best hug of my life. I literally have no one else that I need to meet like that. <laughs> you can die happy now. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. Okay. So now let's dive into the meat of the subject. Now that we know you a little bit more on a personal level. Um, so again, just reiterating sugar and carbs during pregnancy, postpartum and nursing is what we're going to be diving into today. So, um, in general, I think we should just dive into the questions unless you want to tell us a little bit about. Well, all I want to say before we get into questions is I'm not a mother and I haven't gone through being pregnant or postpartum. So everyone can take what I'm going to recommend as advice from a nutritionist on, you know, what might work for you or not. And I would never tell you 
that anything I say is the end all be all of how you should eat, because I think ultimately, and I'll, I'll probably sound like a broken record throughout the episode, but ultimately everyone is different in some ways, although physiology has its, you know, grounding and roots that are the human body is the same, but actually emotions affect our physiology in ways that we will never be able to quantify, even though everybody wants to quantify everything. Unfortunately, emotional pain and trauma and joy and all of that comes into the mix and it creates a set of variables that we can't, we just can't measure. Um, and so, you know, I'm just saying that, that what I'm putting out there, it's not based on personal experience with my own body, but it is based on experience in working with people who've gone through this and seeing what happens as a result of their choices, um, for better or for worse. Perfect. I think that's a great kind of foundation just going into this because, you know, and that's just with everything. People ask about nutritional advice all the time. And although we can give a very, you know, standardized recommendation, like a very general recommendation, unless you work with someone one-on-one, you're, you're never really going to have all the information. Even, even these Instagram questions, which are really in-depth and, and amazing questions, it's like if you were working with someone one-on-one, you would be asking a lot more questions, right? Right. And you would be all getting – yeah. Fe- yeah, you would be getting feedback from them. You would try things. Um, and so, yeah, so perfect, perfect segue into the question. So, um, let's dive in. So we have a couple of groupings. So we have quite a few questions and we've kind of grouped them into different topics as they relate to the podcast podcast is pregnancy and nursing and keto. And so I know this is technically not a podcast about keto, but I guess in terms of like reducing or eliminating carbs, you are unintentionally, intentionally going low carb, Mm -hmm. high higher fat because you've got to make up for, you know, your intake somewhere. So Kristen Ortiz says, yay. She says my two favorite <laughs> podcasts intersect. She's wondering about Diane's opinion on low carb, high fat slash keto during pregnancy and nursing. She keeps hearing that you need to keep your carbs up to maintain supply. So she ate a higher carb paleo ish diet while nursing. She just weaned her 18 month old and changed her diet. She's now totally thriving on low carb, high fat. Um, she's looking to get pregnant again in the next few months and wondering if there are any changes she'd need to make. She'd really love to keep eating low carb, high fat throughout pregnancy and nursing. So, and this is kind of going back to what I mentioned before. First thing I would say, if she feels great and is thriving, do what you're doing. Um, one thing to pay attention to with low carb, high fat is just getting more micronutrients in than you might be if you're not eating more carbs. I do think that, you know, and if you had Leanne on the show recently, she creates a great example where, you know, there's a way to eat low carb, high fat that isn't strictly ketogenic necessarily, or it's kind of a flexible approach where you're able to get more carb related nutrients in. So things like vitamin C, unless you're eating adrenal glands from animals, which most people are not making sure that you're getting in either vegetables primarily or some fruits or even just limited fruits. Maybe it's berries and citrus, for example, less sugary fruits that are rich in nutrition and strawberries and obviously citrus are great sources of vitamin C. Although of course you can get vitamin C from something like broccoli, depending on how you cook it, you may or may not keep as much vitamin C in the broccoli steaming. It's a great way to do that, but boiling it because it's a water soluble vitamin is going to get into the water more than staying in the broccoli. So little things like that. I think the primary thing to look for as you're heading into the pregnancy, you know, or potential, I don't think there's anything, 
you know, negative about eating this way in looking to conceive unless you're having trouble conceiving. So it's like, if you're telling me you feel great and you're healthy, I'm not going to tell you to change what you're doing. But I will say to look into those nutrients that you may not be getting as many of in order to just prepare your body for pregnancy. So that's really where I would come from on this. She could look into, you know, some smart supplementation, some, you know, food based micronutrient supplements, things like that. But I also think this would be the time to just look into getting a wide variety of veggies in. She can focus on the non-starchy ones ones if she wants to, um, and maybe looking at different varieties of nuts and seeds that might have different minerals or different omega fatty acids and things like that to get those micronutrients. So this is the time when I don't I don't really think it's a matter of, oh, I'm eating more fat or fewer carbs. It's, well, what's the nutrition that's coming with that? Because while the macronutrients and the calories can fuel energy, you still need the micronutrients to actually boost that energy cycle. The Krebs cycle in the body that produces ATP, which is our form of energy, really needs B vitamins and minerals. It needs all those nutrients in order to process properly. So that's really where I would look and I would be less concerned with how much carbohydrate she's eating and more so which nutrients is she getting or not getting. And this is where over the years, you know, Liz and I have talked about this a lot on the show and we've talked about not necessarily weighing and measuring food, but tracking it. And these are the times when it can be valuable to see what are you getting and knowing that even if you enter your food into some kind of online calculator, you know, what it tells you back in terms of what you're getting from all of the foods that you're eating may or may not be a hundred percent accurate, you know, who knows if the broccoli in the store has as much vitamin C as they've measured it to have, but you can see, oh, I'm only eating 30% of the RDA for vitamin C in a day. And that would be something to look into. And I just keep using that as an example because vitamin C is one of the things that we can kind of get as much as possible or we need as much as possible of it because we do kind of burn through it, especially when we're stressed very quickly. Um, so anyway, that's really where I would put that focus. And I think that she will do fine with it. And then as you get to pregnancy and nursing, I mean, there is no, here's what the book says, do it despite whatever the outcome is. It's really more outcome based. It's really more, well, what is your body doing in response to the input? You know, what's the output? And so if the output is, I feel like crap or I'm not producing enough breast milk, then you have to change the inputs. And at that point, I, I don't think there's any reason to be afraid of eating high quality carbs. And frankly, I've heard from countless pregnant and breastfeeding women that like, especially during pregnancy. And I think this is going to come up later, but some women are all they want to eat is carbs and it's not necessarily sweet potatoes and potatoes. And I'm like, well, I don't, I, I can't, I can't say anything about that. I have nothing right. to say about it. You just have to get through those days, um, do your best and let the time pass, you know? Yeah. And we will address that. And I, I kind of want to interject just personal experience. I mean, I'm not an expert, but we can interject about, or I can add some to that conversation just having been there. <laughs> um, but I love that advice. And I love it. We talk about intuitive eating all the time on here. Like it's great. Like Try keto. If it works for you and you feel fantastic, great. If at any point it doesn't can start keep working for you, um, you know, try and troubleshoot it if you want to stay within that framework. But if it comes to a point where you're not thriving eating a certain way, then potentially changing that is probably a good conversation to have or something to consider. So it's it's I yeah, 
the rules and, and you have to do this to be healthy, it's, it's hard. And especially during pregnancy and, um, you know, postpartum and preconception and stuff, because everyone is so different. Um, and so on that vein, this one, you kind of answered it a little bit, but is going keto while pregnant or breastfeeding ever safe? I know there is no right way, right way for everyone, but I've heard from some sources not to make significant changes like this while pregnant or breastfeeding. So again, this is a matter of what's going on with your own body. I probably wouldn't recommend like being mid-pregnancy and suddenly deciding to go keto unless you're experiencing really bad blood sugar regulation and you don't feel well. And I think ultimately, if you don't feel well and you want to try to change something in order to feel better, then that's up to everyone independently and individually. Um, but in terms of, you know, just avoiding carbohydrates for, you know, a reason that like, it's not safe. I don't, I don't know that. I don't know that that's mm -hmm. true. Um, and I think, I don't think that maybe you're, let's just say you're a few months into your pregnancy and you're like, I want to try this. I don't know that during pregnancy is really the time for that. You know, this is not like a should issue. Should I, should I not? And it's not a safety issue. It's just more a matter of, aren't you dealing with enough? And, mm -hmm. you know, perhaps if this mood strikes you, it's more about feeling out of control of your body because of the pregnancy and wanting something to control. And I don't know that pulling that lever is really ultimately the healthiest thing to do. And I think that because keto very specifically for most people, Again, let's just say you're um, looking at what I know that Leanne's approach is much more flexible than what I would have considered like a standard keto, you know, 30 to 50 grams of carbs max a day, which is not a lot for most people. That's one meal, like if that in a regular, you know, everyday diet. So it's very, very, very limiting in terms of, again, the nutrient profile of what you're getting from your food. And so um, that's really where I would focus. And I would look at and examine why is it that you're trying to do this now while you're pregnant? And is it more of a control issue than an actual health issue? Mm -hmm. um, and so that's what I would look at. And I think there are ways to reduce overall carbohydrate intake or reduce poor carbohydrate intake, like nutrient poor carbohydrate intake while not necessarily going keto. You know, I just don't, and I don't know that that's, it's just so funny to me. I mean, being in this world as long as I have now, I mean, I was dabbling in keto probably back in 2010. I mean, literally nobody was talking about it except bodybuilders and like Rob Wolf. I mean, Rob is like, Hey guys, I was here a decade ago. Welcome to the party. <laughs> Where have you been? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know, props to Rob on that, but I definitely dabbled in it and ate that way personally for, um, at least six months, if not longer before I was writing practical paleo. And actually when I was during the process of writing it in 2011, um, I remember doing a CrossFit workout and like, I felt like I wanted to die because I really hadn't eaten a, a lot of carbs and that was just not the right thing to combine. And I think I kind of just stopped doing it because it didn't feel good anymore. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, I've, I've done this for a long time on and off. I've kind of decided my body needed to reset because I felt like my blood sugar was not as well controlled at a certain point in time. I was hungrier than I wanted to be. And those are all valid reasons for doing it. But I also think, um, 
I think that that's probably another thing that's going on during that pregnancy window is like this feeling of wanting something to control and it's fair and it's valid. And like, I can recognize that in women and I could see that that could totally be something emotionally all of us would go through. Yeah. Um, but I, but I challenge those women who are feeling like, you know, Hey, should I start this now that I'm pregnant or halfway through? Like, why, what is the real why? And if it's something other than a pure health reason, then I'm not sure it's the time. Absolutely. I think that's the perfect, perfect, as close as we're going to get to the perfect answer for that one. Um, Because, yeah, there's a lot of mental aspects going on when you're considering making a change like that, Uh, pregnant or otherwise, and especially during pregnancy, because especially if it's your first pregnancy, Mm. um, you are out of control. Like you don't know what to expect. Mm. All these things are changing with your body. And, and also to echo kind of what you're saying, I having gone through the like keto transition flu, whatever you want to call it, Mm. I I think it would be really hard to connect the changes in your diet to Mm -hmm. the changes in your, like your body in general, um, as you're going through pregnancy, it'd be really hard to see for me, if it was working or not working, um, cause so many things are changing. So it's not a pure experiment at that yeah. point. And I think it's not, I just don't think it's the best time to make the change. I just don't think also if someone is eating that way, going into it, that they should be scared that it's bad or dangerous or yeah. unhealthy. If they feel well, the same way, you know, if you're exercising and doing CrossFit before you don't just stop just because right. you're pregnant, you know, it's not, it's not an illness. It's a pregnancy, but it is a a different time for your body. So yeah, I think it's important to pay attention to all of that. Hi friends, Laura here. I am so excited to announce that the modern mama's podcast has joined forces with paleo Valley. If you've been following me for long, you know that I absolutely love and appreciate their products because they've been such an important part of my journey to health. And then also now Evie's journey, especially with her first foods. Our absolute favorite in this household is the grass-fed organ complex. We also love the beef sticks and their brand new turkey sticks and take them with us basically everywhere we go on all of our travels. Some other of our favorites include the organic super greens, which are great for smoothie bowls or smoothies or just taking down the hatch right as they are. We love the grass-fed non-denatured whey, the superfood bars, which are loaded with collagen. And um, I cannot wait to now try their new essential C complex. Don't miss out. You can get an awesome deal. Just head to our show notes for the discount code and link and try them for yourself. You will not be disappointed. Enjoy. Okay. So next question, food clarified, ask breastfeeding and keto or low carb paleo. Does that affect the balance of carbs in your breast milk? So this is a general response because I haven't deeply researched this specifically, but breast milk is primarily fat. It's not a ton of carbohydrate. It, there is some carbohydrate, obviously it has a sweet taste. Um, but I don't know if it does. And I don't think it's really something to worry about necessarily, unless again, the baby is not responding well to it. So, you know, as moms, I'm sure you can speak to this experience, but you know, if your baby's not responding to something that's going on with what you're eating, whether it's um, giving the baby gas or problem, you know, indigestion or any kind of mucus, any kind of weird poop, um, really, you will see that. I think, again, following what you were doing and not changing too much is a good idea. If you feel like you want to 
reduce the carbs you were eating because you feel better doing that after you give birth, for example, then try it and see what happens. And that's really, that's really kind of the, the theme, the general <laughs> theme. Yeah. And, but I would not be, I personally would not be concerned that whether or not I was eating more or more or less carbs would affect that profile. Um, breast milk is extremely smart and it is responding to things that we're doing all the time, responding to what the baby needs. And so it's smarter than you are. Um, but I would pay more attention again to the micronutrients that you're getting more so than the macros. Absolutely. It's a great answer. Um, so now we're going to move on to gestational diabetes, a hot topic. Um, and I, we're going kind of like question answer because we have so many, I would love to like deep dive into all of these topics, but I want to make sure we get through everything. So gestational diabetes, ACAR 20 says, my sister had gestational diabetes and the nutrition guidelines that she was given from her doctor and nutritionist were totally outdated and frankly horrible. Are there any good written programs for moms that get diagnosed with just, just, why can I not say gestational diabetes? It was very hard to find a detailed plan that was nutritionally sound. Um, another reader, I'll just tack this on, had a similar question, but more so um, on how best to avoid just gestational diabetes. Um, if the mother can't tolerate anything other than bland carbs, but has many risk factors for diabetes, um, is there any way to kind of keep her in check going into it? Okay. So these are a bit tough and I don't know if your show has a disclaimer, but I will add a disclaimer that this is not professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. You know, as a nutritionist, I can share ways to support your body naturally with food, but in terms of whether or not you will be diagnosed or how to potentially reverse a diagnosis, you know, we talk about this a lot with the sugar detox program and we have plenty of people who change what they're eating and, you know, no longer need certain meds, but at the same time, the, anyone who's dealing with this potential problem, I think it's a great time to work with a practitioner one-on-one, -on -one, like a, a nutrition professional or someone that's working dedicated with you. It is horrible what is coming out of some of the medical offices out there, not all of them. You know, there are plenty of doctors who have copies of Practical Paleo and the 21 Day Sugar Detox. And they're setting people up for success with real practical information about how to manage blood sugar. Um, I don't, I don't know the nuances of what would make gestational diabetes different from diabetes in general, aside from, of course, the fact that you're pregnant and that it really is just kind of rearing itself during this time. Um, but the practical side of this is that this is really hard because it's so common that women are unable to tolerate foods other than bland carbs. And so, what do you tell someone who's dealing with an issue related to, you know, carbohydrate intolerance in those moments to eat? Who says this is all I can eat? So I, I don't know what the best answer is here. You know, there's always a textbook answer that may or may not be applicable in your everyday life. If when I say to eat real food carbs as your carbs and not bread and pasta and certainly not things that are, you know, processed with poor quality oils and refined sugars. I think you can like find that middle ground of something that's, you know, not the worst thing at the grocery store, just because you're having trouble tolerating, you know, and I don't say that out of judgment. I just say, like, I think there's a certain amount of time being in this community where 
the Twinkie is no longer an option. You know what I mean? Like that is not food. So even if all you feel like you can eat are carbs, maybe you find like organic tater tots or something that don't have, you know, soybean oil that have some kind of less offensive oil to them where not feeling like eating protein or fat still doesn't mean what we buy then are McDonald's fries. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? And again, not a judgment, but let's try not to build our babies on hydrogenated oils and things like that. So I digress. Um, in terms of a way to eat, either trying to avoid gestational diabetes or deal with it, frankly, it's the same that I would tell anyone who's concerned with diabetes. There's a blood sugar regulation meal plan and practical paleo. I don't know that it has to be as extreme as a 21 day sugar detox is, although it's perfectly healthy to be on the sugar detox. If you're pregnant or nursing, there's, it's just a real food based program. It's absolutely not dangerous for anyone to do that. Um, but it will be different for everyone. For some people, they will just make a few tweaks and feel so much better. And for some people, the reason for that diabetes is not just as simple as, oh, you're eating too many carbs. It's not always like that. Um, and I, I don't know all the reasons why that that's why that's going to happen for some people. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's really the best shot. Like if it were my best friend asking me, hey, this is what I'm dealing with. What should I do? There's no better answer than to be eating real food, avoid the processed junky stuff. I don't know that avoiding all carbohydrates is necessary still. I just think that, you know, if some seem to spike your blood sugar more than others and avoid those. And I think that that's the time when you could get a glucometer at home. I know Rob Wolf talks about this a lot in his book, Wired to Eat, but you can just do a finger prick, um, you know, wake up in the morning, test your blood sugar. Um, if you're nervous about it, if it happened to you with a first pregnancy and you're nervous about it for a second pregnancy, then I think doing some blood sugar testing leading up to your pregnancy, if you can, or during your first trimester, see where your blood sugar is at and see what happens in response to the food that you're eating. Because, and this is, um, also credit to Rob. He was talking in, in wired to eat about how you may find that you can eat white rice and it doesn't spike your blood sugar, but a banana might. And to a lot of, you know, hardcore paleo people, they would say, don't eat the grains, eat the, you know, real food or eat the sweet potato, but your body may respond differently. I don't generally feel great eating bananas and I feel good eating a small amount of rice. Like it's just what feels good for me. So that doesn't mean I would never eat a banana. It just means I've noticed I didn't have to do the blood sugar, you know, finger prick. I just felt like I had brain fog one day after, you know, having this banana peanut butter smoothie on vacation. I was like, that did not make me feel good. And it wasn't super sugary. It was really, I don't think that the banana works for me because all the other stuff I eat all the time. So um, you know, don't guess. You can do some testing. And if you are really concerned about that, I would do that testing leading into, you know, the pregnancy in the beginning there. And I think you can kind of watch what's happening and you don't have to guess or just kind of sit back and like wonder if it's going to happen. You can really watch what's happening. Here's one thing I, um, oh, I'll wait. Cause I think it's another question coming up that I was actually going to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I was going to ask you, so mm-hmm. say someone does have risk factors for um, GD or they have had it in a prior pregnancy, um, doing like the sugar detox again, I've never been through one formally, but I have the guide and I've read through Mm -hmm. it and essentially have done it on my own, but I know you'll have a lot of resources. There's 
coaches mm-hmm. that you can work with one-on-one. And then there's also like online support, um, through social media, but, um, would that be, I mean, a great starting point if someone's like, I don't want to guess, I don't want to test. I just want someone yeah. to tell me what to do. Would I think be? it's a great way to start. Um, and with the 21 day sugar detox, it's not like no carbs and it's not, you know, strict paleo. There's three different levels to the program. So if you're concerned, you can definitely do that program. And I always recommend, like you said, you have the daily guide. So I walk you through pre detox for a week, which is important because that's, it's basically just setting you up mentally and getting your house ready and all of that. Like you just can't decide today to start tomorrow because it's not enough time to truly get ready. You know, I appreciate that like motivation and momentum, but ultimately, even if I'm like, I want to start eating this way just to see how I feel, I decide it. And then a week later I really start because I got to go to the grocery store and get some food ready and all that stuff. So, um, and then on the tail end of the 21 days, I always want people to also follow the post detox week because I don't, I don't want people to live in this place where they're afraid to step out of, you know, the yes, no list of the 21 day sugar detox or believe that that's the only way to be healthy because I think there are different carbs that can come back in for different people and testing that and seeing what feels good for you is important. I don't want people to um, get to a place where they're just limiting their food more and more. The goal should be to eat as many foods as possible and feel good and be metabolically flexible to tolerate them. So um, I think that that's a really good place. And I've seen lots of women, especially who have hormonal imbalances and issues around even, um, you know, struggling to get to a place where their body is ready to be pregnant. And that's not saying this is going to happen for everyone. But there are some women who've, after going through a sugar detox, their body kind of calms down, their uh, hormonal imbalances are in check, and they are able to go through that process um, much more comfortably. So yes, this is the short answer. It can be very helpful. But you know, no program or way of eating is a great panacea for everybody. Um, but if it's speaking to you, and it feels like that's the thing that might help you, then it's for sure worth giving an honest effort to. Awesome. Um I'm going to link to everything in the show notes too, if people are interested in learning more about that. So y'all, they'll have access yeah, to that. Just 21 day sugar detox.com okay. anytime. Perfect. Yeah. Um, and then last one on the glucose train here, but if you are eating, this is a really interesting question. I'm, I'm intrigued by what you're going to say. If you're <laughs> eating keto, will the glucose test be inaccurate because you are basically physiologically insulin resistant? Meaning prior to the test, in order for it to be accurate, you need to be consuming a decent amount of carbs in order for the glucose test to give accurate results. Yes. <laughs> that was a yes, no question. And the yes. answer would be yes. Um, yes and yes. Yeah. Okay. So that's something to consider if someone is eating low carb, high fat, um, going We've in. We've talked about this on the balance weights okay. podcast for sure. Okay. Um, and for those who aren't, who aren't really sure about why that would happen, Um, it, you know, when you're not eating a ton of carbs, your body does downregulate insulin production and that's fine. It's not, um, it's not a disease state. It's not, uh, pathogenic. It's not, it's not a problem, but, and this is also why, and I'm not sure, I'm not sure how everyone kind of tackles this, but it's kind of one of the reasons why doing like a massive carb day once um, when you're eating keto may or may not feel that good. It's because mm-hmm. your body is kind of downregulating that insulin production. And so 
essentially you're throwing a bunch of carbs into a slightly insulin resistant body. And it is better to kind of, I don't know, warm yourself back up to it. And, you know, I think it's important to, to recognize that real food carbs truly don't, they just don't affect your body in the same way as the processed stuff that is sort of the motivation and the reason behind this whole way of eating becoming so popular. Um, and so what I mean by that is just for example, uh, a couple of times over the last several years, mainly when I hit a period where I'm so stressed that I feel like I'm going to die. Not really. I'm so stressed that I'm like, yeah. I and I go and I get blood work done and I get blood work done. And whether I was eating a lower carb diet or not, my triglycerides were both pretty much the same and like almost so low that I'm wondering, is that a problem? <laughs> but they're very low. But that tells me that in a balance of a real food diet, that's not, you know, high processed carbs. Um, my body is tolerating that stuff just fine. And I think everyone just kind of gets, I don't know, everyone starts to build this amount of fear around carbohydrates. And I, I don't think that that's so necessary, you know? Yeah. So anyway, the short answer to both of her questions was yes. Um, okay. it will be inaccurate because of that slight insulin resistance. Um, and yes, I would say to start ag adding carbs in and yes, we did also cover this on the balance weights podcast at one point, someone asked a very similar question. Um, so it's, it's smart to know that like if you eat low carb keto most of the time and you're going to be doing the gestational diabetes test for at least a couple of weeks before the test, bring some yeah, more carbs into your diet. It yeah. doesn't mean you need to go on a pizza and donut bender. It just means like bring the carbs back. It's fine. Mm -hmm. You'll be fine. Perfect. And I'm going to link, I know we're going to link to the episodes specifically that talk about each of these questions you oh, guys yeah. have addressed. I didn't even notice you guys have four episodes yeah. here. That about this. So we're definitely going to link to that if people want to dive deep, deeper into those specific topics. Because I think, I mean, I'm sure you have a, amazing information on that too. So thank you for that's straightforward answer. That's the most straightforward answer we've had. So Perhaps far. Liz had some more to say about it as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, now this topic, uh, we're nearing the end here, but we've got, I think two more to go. Let's see. Okay. Preparing for pregnancy. Um, I'm not even going to try and pronounce this, but she wants to know how to prepare your body in the best possible way for pregnancy nutritionally. She had severe iron deficiency and adrenal fatigue after giving birth the first time. How can she avoid that if she does decide to have a second kiddo? Well, it looks like we've talked about this one on the balance. <laughs> episode 188. That's so astounding to me. Like an episode number with a one in front of it. So we're, we're in like the 340 somethings, yeah. which is crazy. That's, that is crazy. What episode number is this for you? Roughly? This we is don't know. Roughly, it'll be probably around 50. We've almost been doing it in the podcast for a that's year. That's amazing. It is amazing. That's a, but good, yeah. that's a good milestone. Okay. Um, the best way to prepare. So I really would defer to some other experts on this. And there are a lot of books. And I'm sure there are some books. Maybe you can tell us some books that you've used or that you would recommend. Um but really, I do think it's about building up those nutrient stores and I think getting superfoods in, but not goji berries, for example. Um, this is where it would be like grass-fed butter or ghee and liver. 
and sardines, getting a lot of fat soluble vitamins and just building up those nutrient stores in that way. And also getting yourself into the habit of eating those nutrient dense foods, things like liverwurst and pate and, uh, trying to not be squeamish about it. I think that those are amazing ways to kind of, um, just prepare yourself. And especially if you do have that iron deficiency and adrenal fatigue, focusing on vitamin C, B vitamins and iron rich foods, I think all of that will be extremely helpful. Yeah. And I will say we have a couple of podcast episodes ourselves, and these all came from your, your followers. So they might not know that we touched on some of these topics, um, as well, but, um, a couple episodes on that, Laura, my co-host, she kind of reversed some infertility with diet and a lot of the things that you are talking about, the grass fed ghee and butter and high quality eggs and liver. She would like pan sear yeah. liver and eat it just like straight well, up. Vitamin so. A, vitamin A is such a hot topic with pregnancy, but as a nutrient, it's really hard to find in foods that we eat regularly, but it's very critical to fertility and to having a healthy pregnancy. But, you know, people are scared. And um, also people are just not accustomed to eating liver. Admittedly, lately, I definitely have not eaten it as much. Um, I don't know, I just got out of the habit of making pate or buying liverwurst. And it's kind of a good reminder to get back into that habit. Um, But you know, I am also lucky that I grew up eating liverwurst and I recommend that everyone, um, for sure tries to feed liver and liverwurst to their kids when they're very, very young and not make faces around it because everyone that I've watched do it with their young kids, even if they didn't eat that kind of food, um, the kids respond to it and they eat it. And it's not, I mean, it's a natural intuitive thing, uh, for us to get those nutrients. Yeah, my kids will eat liver. It's crazy. And I have grown accustomed to it. I like it fried. <laughs> it's the best. Or hidden with other stuff. You have a really great recipe. Mm, Superfood meatloaf. Yeah. yeah. Super practical paleo. Actually, uh, good reminder. I think I might make that soon. You should. I love that meatloaf. I love amazing. meatloaf. Why is meatloaf it so is the best. I used to hate it as a kid. It's a lot of ketchup. Like, I love ketchup. Ketchup I mean, all over it. Bacon. <laughs> so good. Yeah, I'm going to make that soon. You should. Um, and I was going to... On that topic, I also do, because I can't eat liver all the time, or I mean, I guess I could, but technically, I mean, anyways, we did, there's a lot of good high quality organ complex, um, or beef liver capsules out there. Mm -hmm. I do, I take one pretty consistently and I did through pregnancy too. And so that's just an easy way to get some of those nutrients. Um, and then I was going to chime in about, she's asking for resources. I, we just had Lily Nichols on, she's a uh, she had her new book is real food for pregnancy. She also has a gestational diabetes during pregnancy book that is just phenomenal. She's totally kind of debunking the whole system in terms of like the traditional dietary recommendations from medical mm. practitioners. Um, and so I would highly recommend those. I'll link them in the show notes too, as a resource for those specific questions in terms of like preparing and the gestational diabetes stuff too. So, okay. So last topic Carbs, 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 carbs. So Carla asks, why does she have a stronger craving for sweets while breastfeeding than while pregnant? I mean, there are a lot of potential reasons for this. Um, One reason could be that you're more tired. And now that the baby's here, 
than you were while pregnant. Maybe you're not getting as much sleep and that's going to make you crave sugar and carbs. Um, that's for everyone. (laughs) Like anyone who's not getting enough sleep, anyone who's super tired. Also, you know, maybe there's nutrition in carbohydrate foods that your baby's not getting and your body's telling you to eat those foods. It usually doesn't mean please eat candy. It usually means please eat nutrient dense carbohydrates. So I can get some, some of these vitamins and minerals that the baby really needs. So I would go with it. But what I would do is grab some mango, grab some strawberry, grab some vitamin C rich fruits, you know, blueberries, make yourself a fruit smoothie from, you know, really good ingredients and have those sweet things, but have the ones that are really packed with nutrients. Yeah. And I think on the flip side of that too, is, I mean, you're just craving more food overall, um, Mm. nursing, I, I forget the actual amounts, but a lot of people think, oh, you're eating for two while you're pregnant. Yeah. You actually, I think calorically, yeah. You know, don't need, need that much. Yeah. You need a couple hundred during, calories. Mm-hmm. And during nursing, it actually goes up a couple hundred calories more than when you were pregnant. So it could just be that you're craving more food in general. So yeah. again, it's kind of like what you're saying, playing around with, um, yeah. what you up in terms of intake. Maybe you, just you could be some- burning. Yeah. You could be burning more calories. I mean, there have been times just <laughs> exercising that my muscles feel like they want more carbohydrate and, at that moment, if I ate some steel cut oatmeal, I was not then craving more sugar and I felt totally satisfied. And I was like, okay, great. And moving on, not yeah. now I want a candy bar, but wow, my body really wanted just carbs and, right. you know, so see what happens. Yeah, absolutely. Um, AJ wants to know, she says she can't wait for this episode. Uh, she says she's breastfeeding. Starchy carbs make her face break out, but she doesn't want to go too low carb for milk production supply. Can she just add lots of healthy fats? I mean, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. I I don't know what's going to happen for her milk supply. Mm -hmm. And she could try fruit instead of starchy carbs and see what happens. Um, But that's a tough one. I'm not really sure. And, and at some point too, um, she may need to favor milk supply over clear skin for a minute. I don't know, you know, just see what happens. But I would, I would just test different carbohydrate sources and not just focus on, you know, potatoes or sweet potatoes in that case. Yeah. yeah. And I would say, um, I think a lot, we get a lot of questions about keto and Laura, who is still nursing is, you know, she's low carb, high fat right now and hasn't had any issues with their milk supply. And I think one thing I can definitely recommend if you are going to transition to more low carb, high fat, make sure you're getting enough fat because that's usually what's affecting milk supply as, or at least that's what we've heard from a couple of other experts too, is that, um, when people go low carb, high fat, they cut out all their carbs, which were a really big source of calories. Right. And then they don't, adequately increase yeah. their fat uptake. hundred so, percent. Yeah. So you may not, you may just need to eat more fat and people don't realize you have to eat a lot of fat <laughs> when you're really trying to get all the nutrients that you need. So, um, again, echoing what Diane said and, um, just play around with it and try and really make sure that you're getting enough nutrients in general. So, Anyways, that sounds good. I think we've pretty much hit everything here. Um, do you have anything you want to add? Just anything. 
anything, think, anything, not even about sugar and carbs. Any oh, I mean, I'll, but for, I'll just, I'll just reiterate, you know, kind of what we've been talking about is that, you know, you can ask several people what they think on these topics. And ultimately I think finding a nugget of something to try that might work for you in a moment where something isn't working. I think, um, we're a little bit in a culture of looking for problems that don't exist. And so unless a problem exists, I don't know that everyone needs to be worried about doing X, Y, Z differently, you know? So if you're eating low carb and you now have learned that heading into the gestational diabetes test, you might need to increase them. Great. Does that mean that eating low carb is unhealthy for your pregnancy and your breastfeeding time? Not necessarily. If your breast milk supply is not that high and you're eating low carb, maybe add some carbs. Like don't overthink it and overcomplicate it. And I really don't think it's worth feeling like, well, everyone says that this is the way to be healthy. So I need to find a way to make it work for me because it's just not the case. And the longer you spend in the world of nutrition, the longer you'll see that there's no one right way to eat for everyone. There's no one right, you know, right way to eat for even all of, you know, humans. And although we can probably agree that basing what we're doing on real whole nutrient dense foods and meat and eggs and seafood and vegetables and fruit and nuts and seeds and all of this kind of paleo way of eating, you know, that I talk about practical paleo and, you know, the sugar detox book is not strictly paleo. You know, I think that that foundation and mostly avoiding refined seed oils, you know, so, uh, soy, corn, canola, all those junky oils and hydrogenated oils and avoiding, um, refined grains and sweeteners and fast food and all of that stuff the nuances thereafter are all different approaches to sort of biohacking that can have value for people who are in a situation where their body is really not doing well. But I find ultimately that I would say, yeah, there are a large percentage of folks who come to this real food nutrition realm and need healing through nutrition and find it. And then there's a percentage of folks who find the healing and keep looking for more problems. And then there's also a, per, a percentage of folks who, to my point earlier, it really, their body is really not suffering from problems with nutrition because they've changed their nutrition and they're eating real whole nutrient dense foods and they're getting some exercise. Um, but the problems are elsewhere and they're emotional and they're deeply rooted, um, or they're a matter of living a life that doesn't feel true to who they are. And, you know, I've seen more people than I can count who aren't experiencing improved health by changing their nutrition because of way different things going on in their lives. They're just not happy because they're living under the thumb of what their parents want for them or what, you know, an unsupportive spouse says, or, you know, they've made decisions in their lives that have put them on a path that they're not happy in. And, you know, ultimately I think we move we move this lever of nutrition sometimes for reasons that are not rooted in problems with nutrition. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important for people to pay attention to that. And so whether or not you are pregnant or nursing, but if you're listening to this and, you know, if you're, if you're eating has been not what you want it to be, then there's no problem in saying I'm going to 
I'm going to make different choices with what I'm eating, but recognizing that it's usually coming from a bigger place. And I'm speaking firsthand and I haven't really gone into this in a lot of places, but I'm always brewing ideas of like putting out a blog post or whatever it is. But um, I'm speaking from experience. I've gone through it many, many times. I've tried different ways of eating for different reasons, some having to do with, you know, health or some just like wanting to try it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just want everyone to like kind of take a deep breath and not feel like they're doing everything wrong all the time, because that's sometimes a sense that I get from the way that people ask questions. It's like they assume that whatever they were doing was wrong and that someone else knows the right, better way to do things. And um, your own intuition is usually pretty strong and um, accurate. I love that. That's a perfect note to end this episode on. Um, We talk about that all the time in the podcast, listening to yourself, not comparing, and that there is no perfect style of eating it's what works for you and if we can hopefully through this episode you have empowered women to kind of take ownership of that and um you know do what feels right and I think that's amazing thank you so much my pleasure you are amazing and um shared so much knowledge on sugar and carbs topic we're going to link to everything we've talked to um in the show notes so people will have access to that but Tell us where we can find you, how we can connect with you via social media. What's the best way to get in touch with Diane? So you can find my website at balancedbites.com or you can search my name. And even if you spell it wrong, you'll probably find me, (laughs) Diane Sanfilippo. So I'm at Diane Sanfilippo on Instagram. You can find my page over on Facebook. Um, 21 Day Sugar Detox is also everywhere as, you know, at 21 Day Sugar Detox and the website as well. But you know, the hub for everything is really my website. You can kind of link out to everything from there. And of course, the Balance Bites podcast every week, we have a new episode on Thursdays, um, almost seven years of a show now. Um, And what I'm trying to think where we are, we have also the Balance Bites masterclass will be opening for enrollment soon. So if you're somebody who just wants to learn more about nutrition, uh, in general, it's kind of The student class for that, I consider to be a precursor to a nutrition certification through something like NTA or Bowman, where those are going to cost you thousands of dollars. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a $500 student program, and it's an amazing way to discover, like, do I really want to dig in on nutrition? Mm -hmm. And you will start your other nutrition program with, I mean... (laughs) 70% 70% of what they might teach you in there as well. I mean, we, we get into a lot and we get pretty in depth. Um, we actually don't talk about all of the basics that they might talk about in those courses, but I think so many people have come to the class through the podcast because obviously folks who listen love to learn more. And it's myself and Liz Wolf teaching what we used to teach in a full day seminar live in real life many years ago. Um, in an amazing online multimedia course. And there's also a track of that for coaches as well. So to take the content that we teach and then use it with your clients, with handouts and all kinds of resources. So um, if you love learning more, then definitely check that out. It's called the Balance Bites Masterclass and enrollment will be in June and the class will run in July and August. So that's a great place to come connect with me. Yeah, we have a lot of fun teaching through that. So yeah. That's it. That's amazing. Okay. Um, and I'm sure we'll stay tuned to hear about all the other exciting projects that are on the oh, yeah. horizon with yep. Diane. Awesome. Okay. Thanks, guys, for, for being with us, sharing this hour, learning all about sugar and carbs. You can always find us on iTunes and Stitcher. If you like what you're hearing, uh, rate us and write a review. We love, love, love to read those. 
Um, you can find us on social media at just.holdthespace and at laura.radicalroots. And as always, just email us with questions or ideas at modernmamaspodcast at gmail.com. It's so great to have you, Diane. Thanks for being on. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening to our podcast. See you next time.